0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Have you heard all the rave about the new Quick Grill located inside the Be Quick Chevron on Veterans Boulevard? Come visit Be Quick Chevron along with Quick Grill, Be Quick Food Mart, your locally owned hometown convenience store, wherever you are.
1: And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM.
0: Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. Hope you had a great weekend. We have a great show today. Hey, I want to mention something before we go to our first guest. Last week we saw a proposal from a private firm who has been working with the city of Biloxi about the possibility of building the new Pops Ferry Road Bridge. And uh, by going the route of of privatization, you're able to build that bridge a lot sooner. And as I learned recently with my situation with my uh, granddaughter Mila, When an ambulance is on the other side of that bridge, which in this case wasn't the case, it was sort of the COVID situation that slowed the ambulance down, but that with all the trouble with the bridge, if an ambulance did have to come from the other side of the bridge, you know, there are a lot of reasons to be concerned about a bridge that is not reliable, a bridge that is oftentimes, you know, shut down because either mechanical problems or wrecks or whatever the situation might be. We need to update the bridge. the, uh, the, the current proposal is to have the $170 million bridge built and would not cost the uh, city a dime. However, it would cost uh, taxpayers a dime because you know, the people who use it will have to pay a toll, including residents of the city. And um, so I'm not a big fan right now. I have to be honest with you. I've, I've looked at it. My first reaction to the thought of a bridge, a privatized bridge right in the middle of the city is not something that I get a warm and fuzzy about as much as I want that bridge to be rebuilt. You know, you have a bunch of infrastructure money that's in the state now. There's more coming from the federal government. Seems we need to exhaust all those possibilities first. Is there a way to to get a portion of the infrastructure money and then privatize the rest of it so that the Toll is free for for Biloxi residents. Um, I'm 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 a, I'm gonna keep an open mind. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have people from uh, from the private bridge building company on to talk to them. I'll have a representatives from the city to talk about it. Um, but to be quite honest with you, I have to be convinced. I don't like the idea of a toll bridge. Um, that at pops very. I just don't like the idea, and uh, we'll see where that I can be changed. My mind can be changed about it, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some education, and we'll see where we go from there. So, anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Okay, now. We're going to move over to my friend, Lee Bond, who's the chief executive officer for Singing River Health Systems. We're going to get an update about the uh, about the, what's going on with the hospital system these days. I want to hear the latest on the nursing shortage. There's a lot to talk about in a very short period of time. But first, let me just welcome you back to the show, Lee. How you doing? Doing good, Ricky. All things considered, we're blessed. Yeah, so... Um, we're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed on so many dimensions. There is no doubt about that. But at the end of the day, the one thing we can sort of say, at least for now, COVID numbers have fallen dramatically. We seem to have sort of beaten off this, this latest strain of COVID and, um, and praying that no other strain comes to us soon. But what your, you know, sort of give us the, the COVID uh, perspective as of today.
1: So between the three hospitals, uh, we had went for about two weeks with about uh, six to eight patients and we're running 12 to 14 now. So it's up a little bit, uh, more particularly in the middle in the Ocean Springs area, but um, nothing to be uh, extremely alarmed about. Uh, People ask me all the time, are you worried about the next wave of COVID? And uh, really, I'm, uh, that's not my main concern my main concern is actually the uh nursing shortage for the state of mississippi and uh probably more concerned with uh inflation and the impact that has on uh just everything um yeah. and and so that's actually to me a greater concern than covid believe it or not so that should tell you something
0: well when i went over and met with you and spent time at singing river uh ocean springs hospital and, uh, and saw, saw the, the incredible uh, dedication of your team working, you know, burning to midnight, all trying to save people. At that time, obviously, you had the surgical intensive care full. You had the intensive care full. You even had a couple of people on ventilators down in, in the emergency room waiting to, to get into other rooms. Uh, we had the opportunity to chat just a little bit about uh, the challenges, you know, this whole notion of the traveling nurse disparity of pay and the and the existing employ uh, uh, and nurses that were that were actually employed by by the uh, by the hospital, the work that you were doing to try to get the state to sort of acknowledge that we have a major major problem. You were trying to push the bonus program at the time, and um, I listened to the governor talk to you. I had to admit that there was a there was one section I didn't hear. But the part that I listened to, which was most of his speech the other day, I did not hear him talk about the hospital issues that were that were revealed by Katrina, excuse me, by COVID. Did, did I miss something or did he not talk about it? It's
1: funny you said Katrina because COVID was like a, it's a medical Katrina. Uh, but is. no, I, you know, there's uh, not many folks are talking about it, Ricky, uh, and that's a shame because uh, we've in the world we're in today, we're in this uh, today, tomorrow uh, world, we're not thinking about the long-term enough. And I think what the world is missing is that uh, our future in Mississippi from a medical perspective, and it's not a Singing River problem, it's not a Gulf Coast problem, it's a Mississippi problem in that no one is understanding that, you know, one month, two months, a year from now, the impact on not having enough nurses in the state. And what's happened, Louisiana expanded Medicaid, they got a billion dollars more money in Louisiana than Mississippi has. Uh, States like Florida is a wealthier state. We have to own up and not be, I mean, maybe we should be embarrassed about it, but the fact is we're we're a poor state, we're an uneducated state, we're an unhealthy state. It is what it is. If we wanna get better, we've got to own up to those things and admit them, and we can't deny true mathematical issues like the nursing shortage. There are going to be places in central Mississippi and north Mississippi and south everywhere in the next year where people are going to die because they're not going to get good enough health care in the state of Mississippi because there's a bona fide RN shortage in our state, and we have. Back when you were here, we had travel nurses here, but that is completely unsustainable. We are not renewing travel nurse contracts. We can't. Um, Nobody in Mississippi can. Uh, Some states that have more money can. Louisiana can do it longer with Medicaid funds. Florida can do it longer because there's more wealthy people that live in Florida. Mississippi can't do that. We're not, it's not sustainable. And if we don't address it, Mark my words, somebody's going to look back at this a year from now and go, wow.
0: Yeah. Wow, Medicaid expansion is, uh, is a is a, <laughs> a big issue. And yeah. uh, it's been so politicized, unfortunately. I, I spent time in New Orleans, as you know, and uh, as publisher of the Times-Picayune, we wrote a bunch of editorials about expanding Medicaid in that yeah. state because of the impact of not doing so. The, what that would what the impact that would have on the healthcare system. It's interesting that you would cite Louisiana as an example, of one that can sustain the current situation because they have Medicaid funds.
1: A billion uh, dollars is a lot of money. And and Ricky, I won't deny that it's a it's not an easy decision. But we've come to the point where when we're one of only a couple of states that hasn't expanded, it's become an issue of humanity, not an issue of money. And political division rules, uh, not just Mississippi, it's, it, the world we live in today. And that's a shame because people are going to suffer long term because of uh, our inability to focus on humanity and put political division
0: ahead of that. I get how it became a populist message at the time. I get, I get it completely. But as it's played out. Um, it's become much different, and we have now. We have we don't. We're not just speculating about the data. We've got raw data now, about what expansion means to uh, to other states, and sort of how that applies to Mississippi and how we've been missing out. And I would say that COVID COVID exacerbates this in ways that we never expected that it would. But what what are we going to learn from it? How are yeah, we going to so capture the learnings from this exactly and something
1: about it? Yeah. COVID has compounded the problem. And look, I've never I've never been one to say it's free. A lot of people say, oh, it's free. To it's not. There's a cost to the state, but there's a cost, and yet there's also a benefit. And the benefit outweighs the cost. And we don't think deeply enough about the overall picture. I am not a fan of, of welfare programs and things like that, but it's the world we live in. The federal government is printing money, it's the game, we've gotta play the game by the rules that are out there. And we have let political division um, is now sort of um, uh, something we've gotta figure out a way to put in the back seat to do what's best for uh, the people. And, uh, you know, I, I probably wasn't an advocate for Medicaid expansion at the beginning, but things have changed, things yeah, have yeah. changed. And so we I got wasn't to either,
0: I wasn't either. I, I literally wasn't either. And in uh, Bobby Jindal, it's interesting because when I went over, I spent some time with Bobby Jindal. In fact, one day I spent—I don't know—we spent two or three hours at the mansion over dinner, just the two of us talking about this. Because you know he's a—he's—he's a, he's literally a genius, and his what he knows about hospital policy is really important. And not even he was willing to budge off of this. He said we would be using borrowed money from China to pay for it. Kind of what the way he talked about it. But sometimes you can't. You can't get the political dimension away from the realities, it's particularly in those positions. And hey, why don't we do this? When we come back on the other side, we'll continue that part of the conversation and we'll go deeper into what's the latest at the hospital. This is Lee Bon, the executive uh, uh, the chief executive officer for Sing River Health System. What's the end of this break? Welcome back to Coastview. We are talking with Lee Bond, the chief executive officer for Singing River Health System. When we went to break, I was mentioning that at one point I had this long, detailed conversation with Bobby Jindal when he was governor, and I was the publisher of the times Union about, uh, among other things, Medicaid expansion and uh, his point of view about that. And a lot of at, at that moment in time, though, if you go back to that to that time frame, it was a uh, it was a lot of speculation, a lot we still didn't know about it, and but a lot of time has gone by now. And, you know, if I were the governor, and I'm conservative, if I were the governor, I would say, you know, that was then, but this is now, and COVID exacerbated it, and here's what we've learned from it, and my my, my 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 point of view is changing about it. But there's a lot of time for these these holdout governors that's been put into this populist message around this, so I don't know if they can back off of that or not, but any closing thought on that?
1: I would just say uh, that you reminded me of a quote. A long dispute means both parties are wrong. <laughs> so there's some wrong <laughs> on both sides. But the bottom line, Ricky, is right now it puts us at a competitive disadvantage. Mississippi is at a competitive disadvantage by not expanding. And we need to not be last at everything. We need to win. And unfortunately, yeah. we need to take the money and do it so that we can be more competitive as a state.
0: You think about people who aren't getting care, you think about the rural hospitals, and uh, but this is not exclusive to the rural hospitals. It affects every hospital in our yeah. state. Well, Absolutely. enough about that. Okay. Mandates are an issue. First, tell us what the mandates are and then this quagmire that that comes out of it.
1: So a lot of confusion on the mandates. Uh, there is a, a mandate that's more in the OSHA realm that applies to businesses with 100 or more employees. And there have been Mississippi and several other states joined in a lawsuit, and there's been a little bit of postponement on that and a kind of a wait and see. The December 4th deadline is now January 4th, but um, we'll see what happens there. In the medical world, CMS, the Centers for Medicaid Services, regulates payments, which about 60% of all hospital payments are Medicare related. That was not covered by that lawsuit. Ten other states filed a lawsuit. Mississippi joined in that this week, and we hope that that will get stayed or delayed. As of the moment, nothing has happened, and we are still facing a December fourth deadline, where uh, allegedly all hospitals in America have to be have their people hundred percent vaccinated. And uh, I'll just tell you straight up, Ricky, we are not planning to terminate all of our people December the fifth. Um, we can't. Our highest calling is to save lives. And uh, at some point uh, they may come in and tell us we have to you know, close down or whatever. But I, I think we're going to make a real big as big of a stink we can about this because, you know, you come into a hospital in Mississippi and you have an unvaccinated person can save your life when you're having a heart attack, a stroke or a car wreck. I think it's OK for an unvaccinated person to save your life. And look, we are 100% in favor of vaccines. They're safe, they're effective, but the mandate is, is not, uh, we've got to not be short-sighted and understand that there's a more important mission out there for healthcare to save lives. So to put the most onerous burden on them, it's really Asinine!
0: <laughs> what a mess what a mess and um, hopefully this this new lawsuit will uh, get the same result but unfortunately you're just talking about a delay and people have to come to their senses I mean you you probably have hospitals all over the country that are screaming here we are in <laughs> we'll go we need to circle back to nurses incidentally but y- here we are screaming about nurses shortage and other shortage of, per- of hospital personnel. And we're laying this requirement on top of it. Ricky, I mean, I've I mean, had
1: conversations with these nurses. You, t- how do you, t- how do you tell? I want to ask uh, the president. How do you tell a nurse you've been a hero for two years? You have saved dozens of lives with your hands. If you're not vaccinated, you're fired. <laughs> Where is the humanity? Where is the don't issue? do it? It's ignorant.
0: I stand your ground, man. Stand your ground, Lee Bond. That's that's my suggestion because, I mean, we sometimes we don't live in reality. I mean, we these these federal mandates in this realm right now. I mean, additional regulation on top of that. I mean, in this in this environment. Good Lord, we're not in touch with reality. That's, that's what I have to say about that. So let's circle back, though. Uh, you have ideas and there's a lot of energy around how to, how to slow down the turnover with RNs especially. Talk to me more about that. So uh, the state is getting
1: $1.8 billion in ARPA funds. That is an obscene, unbelievable, ridiculous amount of money. I don't know that there's any way to rapidly spend that money. We have the ability to retain nurses for, our proposal is to give every nurse in Mississippi, every caregiver potentially uh, some funds, but for specifically for the RN designation uh, or even LPNs, uh, $20,000 for a two year commitment to stay in the state. We think that would make a difference. It would only take about 25% of that money I do understand that while there's not an executive, you know, there's not going to be a special session called that in January or February when the legislature goes back, they have some proposals. But um, the intel I have is they're sort of watered down. Hold your thought.
0: Hold your your thought right there. Kyle froze. I think he may have lost something. So. Well, we, uh, we actually experienced something we've never experienced before during the filming or filming and recording of Coastview. We actually had a power outage at Cal's uh, location who's producing the show. And so what I want to do in the short time we have left, Lee, is you did a pretty good job of sort of telling us what the issues are. How did it summarize what we need to do to fix it? So it's
1: in my mind, it's pretty simple, Ricky. I mean, we need nurses in Mississippi. Uh the we need them to be able to you know improve health and save lives throughout this entire great state. Uh, the people of Mississippi deserve it, and we have the opportunity to take just twenty five percent of those funds and do a retention program. Uh, during that time, we need to f- focus on a workforce development program, train more nurses, and two years allows us to do that. So it allows us a bridge to the long term solution. But uh, these people, these nurses who stayed in Mississippi and didn't leave for less wages, uh, you know, it's part of it sort of a reward them a little bit or give them an incentive to still remain and stay here and not just stay here, but not get out of the profession. Because as COVID has compounded and exacerbated the situation, more people are thinking about, do I really want to be a nurse? And we've got to find a way and and I think we've got one right there presented before us. There has been some discussion uh, among the legislators. We know about a proposal. Um, the one I've heard is, is, is a little too small. Um, you know, it's taken about 50 million of that money. That's not enough. We need to take about 300 million of it. And we need 20,000 uh, per RN, LPN, and something for their caregivers too. But um, that is the solution. It's, to me, in my mind, it's simple. And those people will spend that money in Mississippi, it'll plow back into the economy. Another thing I'll tell you, Ricky, is uh, there's studies out there, Mississippi is also one of the worst states at spending federal dollars. We get the money, we fight over it, and we sit on it. This is an opportunity to put it to work for one of the most critical things we need. You can't have good schools and good businesses without good healthcare. Uh, people want to live in a state where they know if they have a health problem, they can get it taken care of. And there are going to be places throughout Mississippi, if we don't fix this, that are going to struggle mightily. You know, We'll we'll figure it out here at Singing River like we always do, but it does not have to be this difficult. It's a very simple so, solution.
0: I would assume that the hospital association and leaders across the state and in the in the healthcare system is focused on this because really lives are at stake. I, what, what, do we have, what do we have to do to get people to see that COVID revealed a significant vulnerability? You know, I, I think people think
1: now that COVID has is, is sort of subsided, that everything's going to be okay. And I am, like I said, I am less worried about a COVID wave than I am uh, the, uh, the impact of Mississippi having less nurses than it's ever had before. That's going to manifest itself in the coming months. And uh, we're, we're talking about, you know, we proposed the Save the Lifesavers program, it's on our Facebook page. Um, we've talked about maybe organizing a, a march follow the nurses. There's 46,000 uh, nurses in the state, 2,000 less than there was two years ago and, and falling, uh, 500 less enrolled in school than there was two years ago. We have gotta do something to make people say, hey, Mississippi cares about nurses. You guys were our heroes. Why didn't we not want to treat them like the heroes that they are? it's a it's a political problem, and the politicians have the ability to fix it. and I hope and
0: pray they'll do the right thing. I hope that they do as well. Look, um, as we as we sort of wind down, we'll forego the additional Thanksgiving message that we planned. But just real quickly, we got less than a minute left. Just say happy Thanksgiving to everyone.
1: So happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, We should all all, uh, count our our blessings. And uh, Ricky, I'm most thankful for all of those nurses who decided to stay here in their community and be selfless and altruistic. And those are the biggest, uh, most selfless heroes uh, in the world, in my opinion. So I am most thankful for uh, all of the healthcare heroes that have stayed here and helped Mississippi get through a very difficult time.
0: God bless you. God bless them and all the other healthcare professionals in coastal Mississippi and across the state. Thank you very much, buddy. We'll see you after this break. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.